Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Oh, yes! And the Ice Bears win 3-2 in overtime! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. Appreciate you taking the time to listen to the KIB podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you for taking the time to like, follow, subscribe to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast as we are... Through the month of January, and the next time the Ice Bears play, it will begin the February schedule. So the Ice Bears capped off the weekend with a win to close out the month of February, which was a pretty up-and-down month, but ultimately an improvement on what happened back in December. So we'll discuss that as well. And if you were at Fanbear Expo on Saturday, we hope that you enjoyed the expo, the card show, getting autograph signed from Ice Bears players, from... Mighty Ducks actor Sean Weiss and Tennessee baseball players during the intermission. And Sean Weiss actually joined the broadcast on Saturday. So we're going to bring you his interview later on in this podcast because we obviously I know that a lot of you that listen to this show weren't necessarily able to hear the broadcast because you're at the game. And so you're maybe you're not hearing it or you're not listening during the intermission. But for whatever reason, wanted to bring you that interview again because there's some pretty funny stories from Sean about working on the Mighty Ducks and some of the stuff that he's up to now. So wanted to bring you all of that, and I, I think you'll enjoy it. I certainly had a lot of fun interviewing Sean, and he seemed to have a blast being at the game, reading the lineups, being on the bench for warm-up. Sean seemed like he had a great time. So going to bring you those comments coming up later before this podcast is over. But before that, let's talk hockey. The Ice Bears Wrap up the month of January with a 6-4-1 and record uh, that ended with a win over Huntsville on Saturday. Obviously not the result that Knoxville was looking for on Friday night as the Ice Bears lost to the Havoc 7-1. And despite the score, obviously things got out of hand in the third period. A lot of odd man rushes, as you heard some of the players talk about during the broadcast interviews. Too many odd man rushes in the third period. Too much frustration in trying to press. And I think ultimately, whenever you see a game get ugly like that, usually you're going to see the events turn ugly uh, more so than just on the scoreboard. But through the first two periods on Friday night's game, Knoxville in the first 10 minutes looked absolutely dominant. They just didn't have a goal to show for it. And Mike Robinson, to his credit, made some great saves. Stopped a brilliant one-timer from Rasmus Waxenang back with a good kick save. Twice he got Dino Balsamo who had one-timers, managed to stop those shots as well. Justin McDonald had a backdoor one-timer that he just missed of the short side post. So there were some missed opportunities, but I I really felt like even though Knoxville is down 3-1 to at the end of the second period, I really felt like Friday's game was more about Mike Robinson than Knoxville's inability to score on offense because Knoxville had 23 shots on goal for the first two periods. Now in the third period, they got shut down. It, it doesn't excuse what happened in the third Knoxville didn't generate offensive chances. They looked out of sorts, but I would really look at what Knoxville did during the first two periods, and that ultimately is, I think, what carried over to Saturday, and that's the sign of a mature hockey team, and there were some things that went wrong for Knoxville, 
during the latter stages of that game on Friday. But when you look at what happened in those first two periods, Knoxville is trying to press and press and press and can't score. Balsamo gets a huge uh, goal with seven seconds left to go in the first period. So it's one to one going into the first intermission. Knoxville gets a couple of bad bounces in the second period. So they're down three to one. But they continue to generate great scoring chances. I mean, they they looked good with puck possession in the attacking zone. They were drawing penalties, but they went 0 for 6 on the power play. So it, it's sometimes just a matter of where a team is able to shut you down defensively. And credit to Huntsville, they were blocking a lot of shots. And I think having their backup goalie in there with Robinson, I think sometimes there's that added motivation to make sure that you try to make the night a little bit easier. But Robinson, it still ended up having a solid night. I mean, he stopped 25 of 26 shots. Knoxville ended up getting outshot in the game because of what happened in the third period, but I kind of said it during the broadcast. If you took what Knoxville did the first two periods and you continue to replicate that throughout the rest of the season moving forward, you're going to win more games than you don't because more times than not, a hot goalie's not going to beat you in, in that situation, and it was kind of a matter of Robinson making really good saves. Huntsville did a good job defensively of blocking some shots, but I thought Robinson was kind of the biggest story of that night. And it gets taken away because the perception in a 7-1 hockey game is that one team got dominated for 60 minutes. And I don't really think that was the case on Friday. And, you, and you've heard me talk about it. If, if a team gets dominated one way or the other, like I, I've been, I think I've tried to be as fairly critical as I can when it comes to Knoxville just having an off night. But I don't think Knoxville was bad for all 60 minutes. And Andrew Harrison talked about that in the pregame interview on Saturday. He said, really liked a lot of what we were doing on on Saturday, on Friday in the first two periods, and we're not going to change a whole lot offensively. Knoxville didn't. It resulted in getting more power play opportunities. It resulted in getting power play goals. It resulted in generating high-quality scoring chances. They outshot Huntsville throughout the course of the game, and they jumped on Huntsville early with two big goals because they were being opportunistic. Bailey Conger keeps the puck in play at the blue line, scores from the right circle, and then Justin McDonald with a great pass from Russell Rourke Russell just accelerates through the neutral zone, uncorks a slap shot, and beats the pads of Nick Latinovich. So I think you have to kind of look at it as Knoxville didn't necessarily change anything. You just happen to find pucks finding the net. And I thought that was really encouraging from Knoxville because they felt like they didn't need to make any drastic changes. They, they changed up the defensive pairings a little bit, but I thought Knoxville was a little bit better defensively. You didn't see a lot of the, the big mistakes that hurt Knoxville in that game on Friday. And Huntsville capitalized on a couple of power plays, and penalty kill is still something that I think Knoxville could improve upon. But when you needed big penalty kills throughout the third period, you got a couple of them. And yeah, Huntsville converted on the five-on-three, but... I think, too, Knoxville converted on some of their power play chances. Russell with a couple of big power play goals up top. Knoxville continued to generate penalties. But also, Huntsville made, it was Huntsville making the mental mistakes on Saturday, where you had Knoxville with defensive zone turnovers that killed them throughout the course of the game, whereas Huntsville, they had a too many men on the ice penalty and two delay of game penalties for dumping the puck over the glass. Those are not gray area penalties. You know, sometimes, oh, well, was it a slash? Was it not? That's up to the official's interpretation. Was it boarding? Was it not? Did he leave his skates to make the hit? Did the stick get high or did he get him with his own stick? A lot of penalties in hockey are up to the ultimately the official's discretion and what they and what the referee ultimately saw. There's not really a whole lot of gray area with penalties like delay of game and too many men on the ice. And when you've got a Huntsville skater skating to the penalty box and he's not arguing with the official, 
it's kind of one of those situations where you know, yeah, we committed the penalty. Now we've got to try to kill it off. And Knoxville took advantage of having so many power play chances because Huntsville kept making mental mistakes. So I, I think it was good how Knoxville was able to respond. And it's a nice win for Knoxville for a couple of ways. Number one, you're ending the month on a high note. You end the weekend on a high note. And you kind of look, what happened on Friday wasn't great. But now instead of this situation where, okay, we, we just got swept by Huntsville again, now it's a matter of, hey, we picked up a second win against Huntsville, split the weekend with the Havoc, and now we've won four out of our last five games because of the week that we had before. So now Knoxville's got wins over Evansville, Fayetteville, and Huntsville, in addition to Macon over this course of the last two weekends with a pretty big game against Birmingham coming up. And Birmingham has a game in hand over the Ice Bears, but... If you beat the Bulls in regulation, now you're tied with Birmingham for points. And it kind of goes to show that right now, spots two through six are pretty airtight. For the longest time, it was, hey, one through nine, one through nine, one through nine. Well, Peoria has gone on a tear. They've won nine of their last 10 and eight in a row. So they are 20 points ahead of Quad City, who is back in ninth place. And now, for the first time, we have a little bit of separation as far as that eighth playoff spot. Fayetteville has a three-point lead over Quad City. Now, granted, the Storm do have two games in hand over the Marksman, and Quad City is scheduled to play Vermilion County twice this Friday and Saturday. So that can all change. And for Fayetteville, it's a it's a bit of a tough stretch because the Marksmen have now lost eight in a row. They lost seven in a row in regulation. That followed a six-game win streak, and then they blew a 3-0 lead and lost in overtime to Peoria on Sunday. So a really tough weekend for Fayetteville to lose three in three games. They had a lead in all three of those games, too, I believe. So... Pensacola starting to create some separation from Fayetteville. The Ice Flyers have a three-point lead over the Marksmen with two games in hand, and Pensacola has won five in a row. But for Knoxville, you have a game in hand over Evansville, and you have a one-point lead against the Thunderbolts thanks to Evansville losing to Macon on Friday. So it, it kind of keeps Knoxville in a similar position within where it has been, but you know, a couple of weeks ago, Knoxville was sitting in seventh place, and you're thinking, if this doesn't get turned around the right way, is Knoxville just going to have to be, you know, trying to claw its way back to, to get into the middle of the pack? And that's not really the case right now because Peoria is starting to pull away from the rest of the pack. Huntsville and Birmingham and Roanoke have had opportunities. All, all four of those teams were kind of deadlocked within a couple of points in each other, and now Peoria is six points ahead of Huntsville and seven points ahead of Birmingham and Roanoke. So... Now it's starting to become a race for second if Peoria continues on this stretch. And I, I think Peoria right now, look, they've got the best record in the league. They obviously have the best point percentage in the league, but it's not particularly close. They've got a 7-5-8 point percentage. Roanoke is second with a 6-7-2. Now they've got games in hand over everybody because they've only played 32 games. And so if there's a team that could be poised to try to catch up to Peoria, Roanoke appears to be in the best position to do that. The problem is the rail yard dogs have lost three in a row and were swept by Pensacola this past weekend. So I, I think it's important to know that you're, you're looking at the standings right now and think, okay, Knoxville's in fifth. Second place is not that far away. Now you've got to collect some consistency. This is a big game against Birmingham coming up. You have to take advantage of other opportunities. Knoxville plays Macon on Saturday. That that game, that matchup has not been easy for the Ice Bears all season. They've played Macon three times. Every game has been a dogfight, both at home and then including or, or the one game at home and then the two that they've played at the Macon Coliseum. And that game two Sundays ago, uh, my goodness, I mean, Knoxville was, I think, kind of fortunate to get out of that one with a regulation win. So 
it, it's a you know it's it's opportunities where you have two points to collect, but you have to take advantage of those opportunities. And I think Knoxville knows that, and they'll try to go for win number twenty on the year against Birmingham this Friday night. Uh, tickets are going fast for both the games this weekend, so uh, we're approaching a sellout with the game on February third on Friday. And then that game on Saturday is Star Wars night. There's going to be specialty jerseys. There's going to be a post-game jersey auction. You don't want to miss that game on Saturday night um, because tickets are starting to go for that one. I think there's less than 1,100 tickets remaining as of Monday morning for that game on Saturday. So make sure to get your tickets in. Invite your friends to come because we would love to have back-to-back sellouts this weekend um, in what's been a phenomenal year for the Ice Bears from a ticketing standpoint. Our ticket staff has done an awesome job, and the fans have continued to show up. You guys have been great. Um, so loving what the uh, what the ticket department's been able to do this season. So Knoxville gets the split with Huntsville, Birmingham, and Macon coming up this weekend. And if you got to see Sean Weiss, the actor that played Goldberg, the goalie from the Mighty Ducks movies, um, want to show you these comments uh, from sean weiss because i had a lot of fun interviewing i think you'll hear enjoy hearing this interview as well so my conversation from saturday night with mighty duck star actor sean weiss sean really appreciate the time what what if what is probably the thing you get asked the most about the mighty ducks trilogy by fans from from co-actors well what's the question that comes up the most from those movies what was your favorite scene to shoot what was it my favorite scene unequivocally was the scene where we all went to the NHL game because there was the cameras were kind of far away and we were just sitting there watching a hockey game and there was a moment there where I forgot I was in a movie and I actually felt like these guys were my real team and I was actually there and I was an actual mighty duck at the hockey game and that was a magical moment I'll never forget that day. Yeah, what was it like, to, especially the scene even before that, because you guys are kind of getting the, the side view of practice and everything. You're getting to meet Mike Modano. Like, what, what's that moment like for you? That was crazy because we all knew who he was, and he was such a nice guy. These guys went to our practice, and Mike Modano scored on me from the half court, <laughs> from half, half ice. He shot a slap shot right through my five hole, right from half ice. I'm not, gonna, uh, I'm not exaggerating. These guys were that good. Yeah. Now you were roughly, I think, 13 or 14 years old when you were filming the first movie. So when you're first um, learning about the movie itself, at what point did you kind of figure out, hey, this might have a chance to be something that people are still talking about 30 years down the line? I, it was a total surprise to me. Even after the movie came out, it, you know, it, we didn't know it was going to be the way it was. So it's always been a surprise. And the fact that people are still coming up to me, quacking at me after 30 years is always a surprise to me. So it's always been just a wonderful thing. Were you a hockey fan before the films or did that kind of cultivate your interest in the sport? I was not a hockey fan. I fell in love with the game through making the movies. And I'll tell you how I learned the game was from playing PlayStation playing NHL on that's how all of us really learned the actual sport of hockey did you know how to skate before then or did they have to put you through practices and sessions to kind of help you all shoot those scenes with the, no, with the entire team none of us knew how to skate and we all <laughs> lied and all said that we were professional hockey players to get the part in the movie and when we showed up and nobody had ever been on skates ever the producers were shocked so yeah they had to put us through a training so they camp. all fell for it Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Hook, line, and sinker. But we were all actors, so what do you want? We were all, you know, bull****. 
purpose, essentially. Did Emilio know how to skate, or did he at least have some sort of chair, or did he have a little bit more of a, some private sessions that he could take to accelerate I, his learning? I don't know that now that Emilio knows how to skate. <laughs> I couldn't tell you that. At, at what point did you realize that they were going to do two more sequels after that first one? When they called me and they said, uh, we're going to be in Minnesota, we're making another movie. Literally, we didn't know after we made the first one that they would make a second one. And after they made the second one, we didn't know there was going to be a third one. So it was always a surprise. It was a wonderful surprise to get that phone call in the summer that we're going to be getting back together with the gang and making another movie. With that cast, obviously there was a little bit of, of changes throughout, but the, the large core of that team stuck together through the three films. Who was the biggest prankster uh, off screen? I don't know, maybe me. <laughs> could, that could be me. I could have been the biggest prankster. Um, yeah, I used to uh, get into it with the guy who used to be our coach. I remember one time I cracked an egg on his head, and he wasn't too happy with me about that, and he uh, eventually caught me and uh, pulled my pants down and gave me a giant wedgie in front of the entire movie crew. <laughs> so I learned my lesson about messing with adults, and I don't crack eggs on people's heads anymore after that. I think Goldberg's coming-of-age moment, too, in the films is the first movie when he's tied to the goal and repeatedly pelted with pucks. So what was actually, what actually goes into shooting that scene? Are you actually getting pelted there with pads on? I was actually getting pelted, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, the goalie pads cover most of your body, but there are some areas that don't get coverage, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. right under the neck, that area right between your groin and your inner thigh. Goalies know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So there are areas that are exposed. And let me tell you, I left that day with plenty uh, a bruise on my body. I was bruised up uh, for a good week after that. It hurt, definitely. Now, you're originally from New Jersey. Your character, Goldberg, is a Flyers fan. So how has your hockey fandom kind of been cultivated towards the NHL as, as time has passed by? Well, I was a Phillies fan because of my affiliation from the movie. But then when the Ducks team came out, I just had no choice. I've always been a diehard Anaheim Ducks fan ever since they came out. So what, And they won a Stanley Cup a few years back, so what was that moment like for you? That was amazing. We all actually got together at the producer's house. He invited us over, and we all watched the, the Cup over there. And it was just amazing to see, something, to see something that we had been a part of actually become a hockey team and then win the Cup. So that was fantastic. Timu Solani and uh, Paul Correa. Man, you remember those oh, guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. They were something in person. Yeah, Paul actually had a cameo in the third film, too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. And Timu was always a really nice guy. Whenever I went to the games, if he was, like, on the IR or something, he would always invite me into his box. So these guys are just – the hockey guys in particular, the hockey community, are really just nice, warm guys in general. It's kind of, kind of a weird thing about hockey guys. Yeah, that's such something interesting about the culture is obviously because you have morning practices and if you're going to be in hockey, then you've got to be in hockey. But it always seems like whenever there's an opportunity for a professional player to do something like some sort of fundraiser or outreach or something like you're doing yourself here tonight with us, it always just seems like there's this effort to just grow the love of the sport no matter where it is. Yeah, definitely. There is that, that, that uh, sense of camaraderie between uh, hockey players where it's like the sport is the most important thing above all. And that's kind of a feeling I haven't really seen in other sports. Now, for the listeners who may not know, kind of catch everybody up to speed on, on what you're doing now and, and how they can kind of follow your work with what you're up to nowadays. Well, right now, I'm so, I just celebrated my third year of recovery. So I'm just going around and speaking to people, uh, giving talks and trying to uh, be inspirational and trying to turn the situation I had into a positive for everyone. And I'm also doing stand-up comedy. So when I come back to Knoxville, you guys better come out and see me. 
And how, how, is, how cool has that been for you personally to be kind of be able to use your platform to be able to get an audience with people to be able to tell them something that's, you know, a, a little bit different than simply the Mighty Ducks movies and who you were all those years ago and, and playing in this role that everybody knew and loved and, and getting to really inspire and, and touch people? It's really been a blessing because, like you say, it does give me the, uh, the audience and to be able to sort of expose people to a different side of myself in a way that's, uh, you know, positive and can, and can be helpful is very meaningful to me and it gives my you know my life a little meaning and so I, I guess on on the way out what is obviously we talked about the sport and everything like that how often do you get the chance to just kind of come out to whether it's an NHL game a minor league game and just get to take it a hockey game like you're doing tonight this has been the first time I've been within the confines of an ice rink since the very last time I was on the ice shooting Mighty Ducks 3. Wow. So I, I, I the first time I walked in the door I felt like I was home and I was happy to be here. So, so what do you want to see? Do you want to see a lot of goals? Would you prefer to see a shutout since you played a goal? Or do you just want to see fights? What do you want to see tonight? I want to see uh, McDonald score a goal off his left knee. Okay. Well, <laughs> let him know that when you read the lineup tonight. Got Sean, it. really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. You've been really generous with your time. Thank you for being here for Fan Bear Expo and enjoy the rest of the game. It's been a blast being here. Thank you. That's my conversation with Mighty Ducks actor Sean Weiss. He got to see McDonald score, just not off a one-timer off his knee, but he, he did get to see a really nice slap shot, and I think he enjoyed himself as he got to read the lineups, be on the bench for warm-ups, and he got to see an Ice Bears win and a fight. So uh, a lot of fun for Sean Weiss. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation because I really enjoyed having it. That was a lot of fun. I, I mean, I was a kid growing up in the 90s watching the Mighty Ducks movie, so my mom, I, I didn't tell her that, uh, I was going to get to interview Sean Weiss. So she hears that during the second intermission. She's like, that that must have been like surreal because she knows how much I love those movies growing up. So it, it kind of comes full circle in a way where your hockey, your your love of the sport comes from these movies. And now you're working in pro hockey and you get to interview one of the actors that played in that movie. So uh, a pretty fun moment for me, but I think also a fun moment for all of our fans that got to hear it. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Sean Weiss and, and he was incredibly gracious with his time. And uh, I, I really hope that everybody enjoyed getting to meet him and have him sign autographs and take photos. Uh, it was it was a blast. It was a fun uh, Saturday night and was really glad that it all capped off with a nice Bears win. We'll have the call for you Friday and Saturday night, two home games. Be sure to get your tickets at KnoxvilleIceBears.com. 105.1 WKCE is where you can hear the broadcast. And, of course, the Knoxville Ice Bears game day app will take you right to WKCE so you can hear it there live as well. I'm Joel Silverberg. We'll have another episode of the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast for you next week. Birmingham on Friday, Macon on Saturday. We'll have all the action for you, and we'll talk to you next week on the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast.